Hallelujah. Okay. Well, as I usually start off, good morning for me and good evening for all of you. And for those who are running late, sorry you didn't hear me say that, but I say it again just in case. Good morning for me, good evening for you. It really is an honor to be able to uh, to share God's word with you. Let me jump right open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you very much for this opportunity to gather together to study your word to see what you have to say in regards to the Holy Spirit. Let your words fill our minds, fill our hearts, and renew our spirits, that we might walk that much closer with you in our daily lives. Please, Lord, let them not hear my voice. Let them not hear my words. Let them only hear you through your Holy Spirit. It is in Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen. So, last week, we took a quick look at gifts of the Holy Spirit and where they can be found. They can be found in 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and Romans. And we're actually going to specifically talk about the whole group in general for just a short, quick bit, so you know what to expect. And then we're going to specifically discuss what is known as the fivefold ministry. Now, according to the research that I've done, I'm not the only one who has a bad mouse. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The, the uh, research that I've done has actually shown that there are around 22 spiritual gifts. In general, they are the apostles, prophets, the pastors, teachers, which are grouped together, evangelists, prophecy, teaching, wisdom, knowledge, faith, miraculous powers, healing, distinguishing between the spirits, also known as discernment, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, the ministry of helps, administration, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, and celibacy, or some like to call it celibacy. It's nice to know what they are, and as we discussed, the Holy Spirit will give, according to his plan and his will, at least one of these gifts, and we all could at least have more. It is not unknown. Now, we will today, like I said, specifically talk about the fivefold ministry. And if I'm not mistaken, I need to put one. Oops. Come on now. My fingers aren't working. There we go. In Ephesians, we learn he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists some pastors and teachers. This is the fivefold ministry. And the easiest part about the fivefold ministry is a term referring to the five ministry roles that are found in Ephesians. It's literally the biblical blueprint that we are given 
to recruit people and grow the kingdom. Jesus dis displayed this perfect ministry during his time on earth, and he was literally the full embodiment of all of them together. Because Jesus lives in us and through us, as it says in Galatians 2.20, which I will pop that in there real quick. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Because of this, we have been called to live as Jesus lived. We must continue the works he begun on earth. And as saints in his kingdom, we have been given the call to make disciples of all the nations. And we have been given the mission to reconcile all things to God. Now, because Christ lives in us and through us, God accomplishes his purposes on earth through us. With each of the saints, we find the varying manifestations of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers within the body of Christ. Each and every person is given a gift, a role, and are part of the body to continue the work of Christ. Now, if you find yourselves lacking in the ability of any of these, it's not a problem because the Holy Spirit has many, many, many gifts to offer. And you might be more suited for exercising faith and knowledge. You might have some discernment abilities. You may, might, might be like me with the help services. These are important just as well as the others. But these five are actually the backbone for the uh, um, administrations of the church itself. Now, is it relevant for today? A lot of people really wonder, does God actually use all of these today? Wasn't this more along the lines of something that they needed back in those days? In a manner of speaking, no. Because we are literally supposed to be able to reach out, and God is not going to stop being God just because times change and environments change and technologies change. Uh, the fivefold ministries built as per its main purpose is to build up the body of Christ until the body of Christ reaches unity of faith, knowledge, and it is fully mature, matching the fullness of Christ. We've got a long way to go. Now, what exactly does it do? The fivefold ministry is designed to equip the believers for works of service, to build up the body of believers in growth and maturity, to create unity of faith, increase in knowledge about God, Jesus and the kingdom to grow believers to be mature in their faith with sound doctrine. And we'll be discussing that one a little bit later down the road. The fivefold ministry also develops strong believers who are secure in their faith. It helps the saints become more mature to be able to stand in the face of the challenges and the deceits of the world. And it allows us to disciple believers in continual growth with an ever-increasing onward manifestation of love. And I'm going to place all that in the chat so it is totally visible for those who might 
just want to glance at the text. This is what it does. And it would make a lot of sense if this blockhead actually did copy and paste everything. So I'm going to put this in here. Boom. Now you know what the list is all about. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, I'm human too. I love making mistakes to prove that point. So real quick, we're going to jump in and talk about what are they? Specifically, what do they do? Well, it might help if we understood where it comes from. Everybody agrees that the fivefold ministry is described in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And everybody is dedicated to believe that these five specific roles are given to the local church. And of course, the church expanded. So when we say local church nowadays, we're talking about our communities, just like they did back then. But yet it is global because God's church is global. I can't think of any place on the face of this earth God does not have presence. Even the places where there's no people, God still has presence. That includes all the way down on the South Pole. Some might think I'm joking, but I'm very serious. Now, contrary to what many people think, they were positions that had a specific function in the churches. If we look at the entire chapter of Ephesians 4, we'll completely understand the context of what, is, what these are. Now, we're going to jump right in and talk about the apostle. Now, in the day, apostles were alive. And what is really fascinating is 99% of the people, theologians, the ones who study God's word in all the original languages, there was a certain requirement to be an apostle. Now, apostles were basically messengers taking the message of salvation to the world. But according to the Bible, in order to be an apostle, there were certain conditions that had to be met. First and foremost, the person had to be considered to have been an eyewitness of the ministry of Jesus Christ, or what we call first generation. Those who were with Jesus, those who walked around Jesus, those who followed Jesus specifically from the beginning until he ascended into heaven. Now, although the apostles are mentioned by name in the beginning, there are a few others that became apostles that were not part of the original group. But they were still following Jesus, and they met biblical requirements of being an eyewitness to his ministry because they were following him all over the earth before he ascended into heaven. Now, specifically, those who were not part of the original twelve Paul and Barnabas, Silas and Timothy, James, the half-brother of Jesus. Now, using biblical definitions of an apostle, we could know that there were no more apostles living after the ones mentioned in Scripture. And here we go, playing around with my mouse again. Hallelujah. There we go. Uh, there are no more apostles living after. The ones mentioned in scriptures. They weren't walking around with. And 
contrary to opinion, there were no apostles in the Old Testament. Now let's talk about the prophets. The word prophet comes from an old French word prophetae. Prophetae. My, my language skills are very weak, so I do apologize. Uh, this translates into spokesman. And this is somebody who is um, very important to God in the Old Testament and today in, the, in our New Testament days and post-ascension days. The word is in keeping with the biblical use of the word who, of those who speak on behalf of God. Both men and women, you can find examples in Genesis, Exodus, Judges, Luke, Acts, and many other places in the Bible. However, the Bible also mentions false prophets as those who do not speak as spokespersons of God. Now, unfortunately, there are a lot of false prophets. So therefore, a prophet of God is a spokesperson for God, not the Antichrist, which is the false prophet. In the context of scripture, a prophet is primarily used in the Old Testament as someone that spoke on behalf of God concerning the coming Messiah. They also spoke about the kingdom of God and, and time events. However, although not mentioned as directly, the same term can be applied specifically to Jude, to John, and to Jesus. With this mind, it is important to understand that if a person calls themselves a prophet, they speak on behalf of God. This is very dangerous, and I would not be claiming this lightly. It's very dangerous for two reasons. First, everything that person says as a self-proclaimed prophet is then claimed to be literally equal to Scripture. There is nothing equal to the Word of God. Nothing. I can say the sky is blue and the sky might be blue, but my words are false compared to the word of God because I am human, I am mankind, we are faulty. So those who run around, oh, I'm a prophet, and blah, 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 they're literally playing with fire. And I don't say that lightly. They literally are playing with fire. Thank you, Stephen, for putting that in. Very, very important to point that out specifically. Now, I said there was two reasons this was dangerous. To call yourself a prophet. The second reason, if we are still receiving prophecies in addition to the Old and New Testament, then the 66 books of the Old and New Testament are not the completed Bible. God is not finished speaking. And this makes quite a few verses all lies. And we're going to throw a couple of them out there to kind of prove they can't be lies. Donald Trump. Huh. No, let's, let's, let's not go political. Let's stay focused. <laughs> Let's throw a couple of verses out here. Oh, I forgot the uh, the doohickey jigamators. That's okay. Let's throw that in there real quick. Da -da -da -da. Boom. And he did not understand those references. Oh, slap, slap, slap. Suddenly, I'm not being cooperated with, silly Bible bot. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't really pay to be human. 
but it does because it gives other people an opportunity to lift up. And that's beautiful. These are basically verses that will basically prove if it's not from God, the person is not a prophet. Now, there are prophets that do speak to gay. And they do speak God's word directly. Now, the um, interesting point to note, if it's in the Bible, it doesn't just always apply to those days of when it was written. There's still a lot of prophecies yet to be fulfilled. And God will use people today to bring these to others' attention. They are prophets. They are speaking the direct word of God. They are not making things up. They are not trying to claim that they are equal to God or the word of God. And these are the people that really need to be listened to as opposed to the <clears throat> oh, pardon me. These are people that need to be listened to as opposed to those who continually claim to be speaking God's word, but yet just really aren't. Let's talk about the evangelists. Evangelist is another word from the old days, old French and Latin. Ecclesiastical means to evangelize. Pretty much self-explanatory on that part. The word is translated as a person who seeks to convert others to the Christian faith by sharing the good news or gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of an evangelist is the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. They will talk about John, uh, John the Baptist. They may refer to Mary once or twice. They may even talk about Mary Magdalene. They could even talk about Pontius Pilate. But their main focus, the main topic that they talk, that they discuss, is Jesus Christ. What he said, what he did, where he went, why he went how he even did things. However, an evangelist must be someone who understands this true gospel and has completely trusted Christ as their savior in order to preach this gospel because gospel re result in fruit that remains unto Jesus Christ. Now, it's pretty fascinating to point out that there are so many people that label themselves an evangelist because they're going to talk about Jesus and so forth, but they'll get distracted by common knowledge that the world has, or they will be distracted by what they believe the truth is, and the actual gospel of Jesus Christ gets bent and twisted. For example, Jesus always walked on the water. I've, I've heard somebody say that once or twice. Jesus didn't always walk on the water. There were a couple of times where he used the boat. There were other times when he's walking from one place to another. He didn't go find a river or a stream and try to walk to the next town. He was walking roads. Come on, people. Don't twist the word of God out of shape. It's perfectly designed the way it is. Right. Now let's discuss the pastors. Pastor comes from another word that means shepherd. 
or a literal translation, fed or grazed. The Old Testament Hebrew also implies they're going to feed or shepherd, guide, lead, teach. Now it is clear that a pastor is a shepherd of a local church congregation and they're responsible for feeding the local flock of believers. Now many pastors just to make sure they're not connected with Christ directly. I mean, you look at a pastor and you say, oh, that man is a man of Christ, is one thing, but oh, that man is reflecting Christ. That's a separate thing. So many pastors, just to defer this themselves from Christ, refer to themselves as the under-shepherd of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ being the great shepherd Whereas pastors are under shepherds. And welcome back. Hebrews tells us, And may the God of peace who brought you, brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, to the blood of the everlasting covenant. Hallelujah. What that means is he died once for all, so there's no more continual need for sacrifices. Thank the Lord. He was the great shepherd, the ultimate in shepherding. And last but not least, we have the teachers. There really isn't any need to define what a teacher is because we can look all around and find teachers from a mother who is the first teacher of her children to school teachers and professors in college to Jesus Christ himself. A teacher is anyone who can impart the knowledge to others. And contrary to popular belief, one does not have to have a degree in education to become a great teacher. Biblically, a teacher must have the ability to communicate knowledge to others when appropriate. And there are several verses that throw this at us. I'm just going to put one in real quick. First Corinthians says, Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. In other words, I would very much rather say something that makes sense as opposed to babble on with something that nobody can even understand. And we will specifically be talking about tongues down the road. We, we've got little bit of time before we get to that point. And by then, it should be understandable. I am going to throw my mouse through the window one day. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, how does this fivefold ministry apply to us today? Just a few simple points to bring out. The fivefold ministry is built Jesus Christ as the cornerstone of everything that they believe and do. If Jesus Christ is not at the center, run. Run far away. Go in the other direction. The fivefold ministry has the writings of the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles as its foundation, which are the words of God in line with the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, all of which are built upon as the living temple of God. In other words, as a teacher, I must 
always rely on what God's word says, period. I can't say, well, I had a friend of mine named Jack mention such and such, so that must be true. He's been studying for decades, and he must know the word. I can't do that because that's becoming something along the lines of an idol worship in a way. I'm actually putting my friend Jack above what God had to say or what Jesus had to say or what's written in the book of Matthew, or what's written in the book of First Peter. These are things that are written down specifically because they are true, and first and foremost, more than true, because they come from Jesus and the life he lived and walked. My friend Jack, in, in my example, he is a good man of God. He's dedicated. He's a teacher. He does his best for God's glory. But just because he said something, I'm not going to take his word for it. I'm actually going to look it up. I want to make sure. And there have been a couple times when I found a thing or two he said. Seemed it was giving the Bible reference, and it was kind of sort of there. But all in all, the entire comment in context was his own understanding. I still love him. He's my brother. He's a neighbor. I'm still going to treat him with respect. But I'm not going to take what he said as word. I will politely correct him. And there have been one or two times where he's understood. Most of the time he's going on about how he knows what he said is true because, and then he'd go into his little explanations. Okay, I can't change anybody. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. So my prayers help him in that regard. Now, the fivefold ministry, third point here, has evangelists who go out into the world and share the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. There is no way everybody can be an evangelist. However, we are told to go share the gospel. So each and every one of us does have that potential to be an evangelist. And it all depends on, again, how the Holy Spirit wishes to conduct his business. Uh, the fivefold ministry is a pastor or under-shepherd who oversees and feeds the flock, protecting the flock from false teachings and evil behaviors of some of the sheep. It is definitely important to know that not all pastors can see all things. Not all pastors can understand all things. If a pastor is really dedicated on getting the word out and preaching and teaching, but they just don't seem to be able to understand how to reach, say, elderly people or even people their own age then they're probably going to be a teacher in the youth ministry. So it is important to know who God is and where God fits in our lives. But to get to that point, we have to know where we fit in his kingdom. Now, in a nutshell... The last point here, the fivefold ministry trains and equips everyone, the believers in the church, to teach others what they have learned as appropriate and challenges them to actively disciple others so that they too can become good Christians and followers of the Word of God. And this is particularly important in this in, in my particular teachings for you folks 
in two main ways. Number one, although I do understand quite a bit of the Holy Spirit, I still have a lot to learn. I probably maybe know 3% of the whole 100% about the Holy Spirit. I'm not afraid or ashamed to admit that, mainly because the Holy Spirit is a lot bigger than any one of us. In fact, the Holy Spirit is bigger than all of us. Can atheists go to heaven? I will answer that question at the very end, unless somebody else wishes to jump in on real quick. It is kind of sort of a little off topic, but it's an important question. I will not ignore it. In fact, I'm going to put a little reaction there. That probably gives you a hint as to what my answer might be. Now, let's sum all up. Let's sum up everything I just said. The fivefold ministry has as its purpose the goal of perfecting the saints, accomplishing the work of the ministry, and edifying or building up the body of Christ. This ministry continues until everyone comes to the perfect faith and knowledge of Christ and are perfected in the likeness of Christ. When the believer stands before the Lord and hears, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, obviously, I would add to that something I didn't put in my notes. This ministry, the fivefold ministry, and all the gifts of the Spirit will continue, not only until everyone comes to the perfect faith and knowledge of Christ, not only when they're perfected in the likeness of Christ, but it is also going to continue until Christ comes. Because once Christ comes and we are gone from this earth, there will be a time when there is no Holy Spirit on this earth. And it will be very, very hard to find really hard, true believers but they will come to know God is real through their situations they'll live. Now, the fivefold ministry is not founded in becoming a first century church that did not have the completed word of God and the needed prophets and apostles to directly communicate from God to the people. Likewise, it is not founded to become a modern church that seeks to Add to God's word. Instead, a fivefold ministry is a ministry that is based on the cornerstone of salvation through Christ, the foundations of the scriptures written by the prophets and apostles, the work of evangelists leading others to Christ, the overseeing of the flock by a pastor, and the teaching of everyone. The fivefold ministry will continue until such time as all believers stand before God perfected physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Now, there are a few little added notes that I have that I think are important, and I believe I mentioned a couple of these in the beginning. But I flipped through my notes, so I honestly don't know if I did or not. So I will now, so I know I did. <laughs> Does everybody have a gifting? Because Jesus lives in and through every one of us that believe. That's the key word, the believing part. It is expected that the attributes of Jesus would manifest in at least one detectable way through every believer. We believe that the gifts are found within our natural strengths and simply need to be identified. 
Now, if you recall, when I was referring to these gifts before, the gifts come from the fruits of the Spirit. The gifts come only from the Spirit. So why did I say our natural strengths this time? In direct reference to those fruits of the Spirit. For example, I have this tremendous desire to always make people laugh, smile, or have a happy thought. That is a strength of mine. That is a natural strength. And the joy that I receive from the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit, being joy, dominates my life. So even at times of trial, I can still smile and say, God is on the throne. It's all good. Can people have more than one? Can people be more than, can be, can people be gifted with more than one gift? Absolutely. Some people can have two. Some people have three or four. Some people just go on and up. Do not have an end to what they can do. And this is acceptable because attributes and strength of Jesus are being looked for in each and every one of us by the Holy Spirit. Some of these that are common to be paired together in, in the fivefold ministry specifically is a pastor and teacher. Or back in the day, walking around with Jesus, or just after he ascended, those who did walk with Jesus could be an apostle and a prophet. And there are prophets that are also evangelists. And yes, it is very possible somebody could be a teacher and have other gifts of the Spirit, which we'll be discussing down the road. There's 22, remember, that I've found. Now, can people's gifts be changed? Well, as people mature in their faith and relationship with God, it is not uncommon to see them develop stronger gifts and others become a little less prominent in their life. Uh, for an example from my life, real quick, I love kids. I do nothing but interact well with children because I sort of kind of have a childish mind. So it's not too hard to sit down with a child and pretend with them. It's real easy. However, over the past few years, I've actually had a fewer opportunities to interact with children. So that doesn't mean my ability to teach children has diminished. It just has gotten weaker and needs to be redeveloped. Has it gone away completely? Oh, no. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm still teaching children. And I am still teaching kids and young adults and so forth. Now, there are different views on this last point that I made notes on. Is the fivefold ministry a system of church government? There are differing views on this subject, and the roles mentioned in the fivefold ministry can be extrapolated to mean things they may not have been intended to mean. We must use the text of the Word of God as our guide. 
to identify what they are and how they apply. These roles are explicitly purposed for equipping individual believers. So the body of believers is equipped for the work of service. In other words, the roles of the five-four ministry are modeled to build up the church and grow believers. While some people believe their giftings below, bestow them as an office, it may be more appropriate to identify themselves as being pioneers in these. It must help grow. It has nothing to do with us individually, but the Word of God bestowed to the world, to the people, through the Holy Spirit, through us. Now, some people, they can believe whatever they want to believe they are. Oh, I'm a prophet. Oh, I'm a teacher. Or someone who can open and reveal the heart of God for people in places and situations. It's important to say that these giftings are in partnership with the Holy Spirit and are alive, active, and instrumental for the growth of the church. So in a nutshell, yes, the fivefold ministry is a system of church government. However, no, God is not limited to using the gifts he's given us in other areas. One good example would be if Stephen broke down and actually taught me how to do some programming in Discord. That particularly specifically has nothing to do with God's glory. It is just teaching a blockhead how to make Discord sing. Now the fact that Stephen teaches me this, he's not specifically teaching me so that I'll shut up and stop asking him, which might be a good point, I suppose, down the road. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Don't take me seriously. I'm sure Stephen would be more than happy to. But the issue being, eventually, if I'm since I'm going to be asking for these instructions so that I can do better to glorify God, it would be, in effect, the gift of teaching that he has that would benefit me. I would grow and therefore be able to say, yes, Stephen, you help the kingdom of God grow because now I can do X, Y, and Z in Discord on the other servers I'm on. And just for the record, I'm actually on a total of 41 Discord servers, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and that is pretty much the end of all my notes. I do have a couple of comments. There, there are some that say there's seven-fold ministry. But we can't really be nitpicking about who's right. It's just like the Bible. When it was first originally put together, there was a big old group of people that decided they would discuss which books are going to be in the Bible. And because they went through their discussions and their little arguments back and forth, we now have the Bible as it is today. But that doesn't mean that the other, the other books are not important. I say that lightly because the Bible, the ones that were finally approved, 
God knew what was going on. God knew what he was doing. And the Holy Spirit was in the minds and hearts of all these people that were deliberating as to which book should be there. These are the important ones. So we must always focus on the teachings that only the Holy Spirit can teach. So are there any, at this point, any questions, comments, or concerns in regards to the fivefold ministry? And then I will discuss this semi-sad question. And the reason why I say it's semi-sad as opposed to fully sad or not sad at all. Questions, comments, or concerns in regards to the fivefold ministry? Please feel free to type them in chat. No questions at all. Well, praise God. So, can atheists go to heaven? The important question within that question, what exactly is an atheist? This is a question that's actually been tossed around a lot. I'd like to hear your point of view. There are at least 500 different answers, depending on who you ask, maybe 5,000. They all boil down to one basic principle. And within that answer, within that one final principle, answers your question. People who believe science and not God. Okay. An atheist could be a proud person, in a manner of speaking. In a nutshell, the bottom line principle that everybody does agree on, even the 500 differences of opinions, the bottom line result is a person who disbelieves or lacks belief in the existence of God or any God. So even, even somebody who says, oh, there, there's no such thing as Baal in the Old Testament. That, that's just some word they made up. Um, we, we don't believe in... Um, Tree, tree, uh, tree spirits and dryads and naiads, the water spirits. And there, there's no such thing as anything that's powerful, that that's doing any anything that has any power, omnipotent, and so forth. These are atheists, and a lot of them do focus on science. This is true. A lot of them are very proud people. This is also true. But we are told point blank in um, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It is impossible for someone to believe this if they do not believe in God. If somebody is automatically going to deny God's existence, 
if somebody's going to automatically deny the fact that God had a son to even send to the world to be sacrificed, how can you believe in the son? Because there is no God. There can't be a son. So bottom line is, yes, atheists will not go to heaven. Now, I say that with firm conviction, but I will add a small side note. I know of an atheist who is trying to believe in God. He's trying to understand God. He does not fully function in God's kingdom, but he has gotten stronger in his beliefs that there could be a God. So he's starting to say, I don't think I'm an atheist anymore, but I still have doubts. And I love that because it shows even an atheist can be reached by the Holy Spirit. I myself, I believed in God. I went to church every Sunday I had a chance to with my parents, with my foster parents. And even after I originally got adopted, my father adopted me. He was an Orthodox priest. I believed in God, but I didn't have it real in my mind. It wasn't real in my heart. Kind of sort of like Batman. Is there really a Batman floating around? Some rich guy who's got billions of dollars he can spend on cars and toys and gadgets and computers. And he's trying to make the world a better place in his neighborhood. Maybe. Don't really care, to be honest with you. More power to him. But that doesn't make him a non-believer. Yet he's doing the right thing. And this is what my friend was telling me. He, he was basically saying, I'm tired of living in the shadows of ignorance. Apparently, I've said some things that got his mind thinking. Apparently, he's been talking with other people because he said a few things I never mentioned and asked me about it, which is good, something good that we all should do. Somebody said something. We're going to go find it from somebody else. Hey, so-and-so said such and such. It sounds true, is it? And I, I do challenge each and every one of you. If you hear me say something that just doesn't sound like it comes from the Bible, does not even sound like it reflects God's will, you let me know. We'll study it together. Maybe I will be taught something. As a teacher, I can still be taught. Or maybe you and I together will discover I was telling the truth and now you understand that much better. The, the bottom line of all of this is the Holy Spirit is the ultimate translator of what God has to say, the ultimate tour guide, if you will, of our lives. Does, did I sort of answer your question to the best of my ability? Yes. Do you understand? Does it make sense? Okay. I'm glad to hear that. Praise God. So if there's no other questions, comments, or concerns regarding the five-fold ministry... I will be more than happy to close us up with a word of prayer. And we're going to come on, mouse. Do what I want you to. There we go. So we will now 
Go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, your Holy Spirit is very important in our lives as believers. We must understand that the gifts you've given us are not just for us. They are for our use in the walk we have that you have designed for us. The people we encounter, the places we go, these are where the gifts are important. Please help us to understand where we are in your will and which of these gifts you have given to us that we may bolster our knowledge of these gifts, make them stronger within our lives and have a greater understanding of what they are, how they are applied and when they are necessary. Be with us as we go through our separate ways, leading us, teaching us, and guiding us in your will, your word, and your way for your glory and the betterment of our lives and the church. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Amen. Glory, hallelujah. So we are definitely going to be having some fun coming up. I'm sorry your mic is not working. Slap it around a few times. I would say throw. Yes, I am I am very very important. In that question, that 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 no, I have no eye teeth, so I can't really see what I say. But I definitely do hope this study is helping, because uh, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, every single time I've gotten ready to prepare, I have even learned something, and I'm loving that part, because anybody who doesn't want to get better in their knowledge, anybody who does not want to grow, anybody who does not want to improve is is almost stagnant. I can't say useless because God uses everybody his way. I can't say hopeless because there is hope. It's right there I just put on there. Jesus is our hope. So there's always hope. And I'm loving the fact that it's helping me. And I do believe there's at least one or two that are being helped. I, I feel it within my spirit, within my being. I know this is not a waste of time. For it wouldn't happen if it was a waste of time. And next week... We're going to throw three of them together in, in the remaining gifts. We're going to talk about wisdom, knowledge, and faith. They do connect together. Believe it or not, they are important. They are separate. They are individual. But they do have a big connection and we're going to dig into those to find out exactly how they're connected together and indeed as I've mentioned person can always be guaranteed at least one gift from the spirit it's up to us to discover what it is and we could have more than one so maybe wisdom or knowledge or faith is one of your gifts. Maybe none of these are a gift, but they are in all of our lives. And when I get done discussing all the gifts, 
I will explain how each and every gift does impact our lives one way or another every single day, whether we have the gifts or not. And that will be a nice long discussion on its own. So, can close up that and close up this. Thank you all for joining. Thank you for being here. It has been an honor and a pleasure. And I look forward to next week. And Stephen, I do hope things are going very well with your studies.